and lay siege to the tower itself if her brother were held captive there. She dealt not in words but in deeds. In all of England there was no woman like her. Will's thoughts were interrupted by the approach of a no longer timid Jane Roughneck, with Violetta trailing her. Let me help your friend, Jane said, her eyes blazing. I will swear my husband deserved every blow Mac dealt him. I know that monster all too well. I shall be there also to weep for Mac. That must move the entire court to pity him, said Violetta, wringing her hands. Will groaned. It was reason, not passion, that must persuade the judge. I am gratified by your concern, he said, but leave me alone to finish this writ. My friend's fate lies heavy upon me. And upon us as well, said Violetta. Why? asked Will, puzzled but Violetta and Jane were already hurrying away. Alone again, Will bent over his page, which left him unable to see the black-clad figure, narrow as a shadow at sunset, creeping around the edge of the room toward his table. A wrinkled hand reached out and touched his arm. Will jumped. Will Shakespeare, said an old man's voice. And who are you? One who makes his living by night, he said. A thief, Will drew back. Why have you come here? She bade me, but I do it for the sake of my boy. Was the old man a lunatic? Will didn't ask him to explain. He hoped he would vanish as suddenly as he appeared, like a ghost from the grave. I know something about your friend, Mac, said the thief, his voice like the rustle of dry leaves. Will's hopes revived. It seemed Providence had sent him a witness. He leaned closer. The old thief spoke only briefly. He would not let Will question him, nor would he be stayed. He finished his tale and slipped away. And when he had gone, Will sat motionless, his brow furrowed and his jaw slack with amazement. The pen dropped from his fingers, forgotten, and the handbook fell, closed. By Jove, he speaks the truth, Will murmured. I was a fool not to see it before. Chapter One London, 1579 Before she became the celebrated Long Meg and the muse of Will Shakespeare, Little Meg MacDougall lived in a narrow house on Adel Street between Aldersgate and Cripplegate in London. Her mother, Jane, was a long, thin broomstick of a woman with strong, ropey arms. Meg's father, Jack, was a giant of a man who could lay a thousand or more bricks a day and drink a kilderkin of ale by night. Meg hardly seemed to belong to them. Her arms were puny, her knees knobby, her legs wayward as a baby fawn's. At mealtime her parents ate great quantities of meat, as if filling the hollowness within their long bodies, while Meg was content to nibble a leg of a pea-hen or a crust of bread. But though she looked too frail to thrive, her eyes shone brightly in her thin face, surrounded by hair the colour of spun gold. It was a happy household, except when it was not. Jack MacDougall drank too much, and Jane begrudged the waste of their meagre resources. Their boisterous quarrels sent Meg scurrying to avoid the hurled brick or hot iron. Plaster crumbled from the walls, and the very beams creaked and shifted. 
All that kept the house from collapsing were the houses abutting it on either side, whose occupants shouted for quiet, only adding to the uproar. One night the constable came, and he would have arrested Meg's parents were it not for her earnest promise, I will put them into their bed anon. When they had fallen asleep, Meg poured out the rest of her father's ale and hid her mother's iron. But Meg could no more cure her parents' failings than she could prevent the sun from shining or misfortune from striking. One night, Jack was staggering home from an alehouse when he fell asleep in the street, and the next morning a cart rolled over his legs. Cruelly, the cart was filled with bricks. Lame and unable to work, he became a beggar, hobbling away every morning on crutches and returning with a few pennies, barely enough for bread. Jane worked day and night, bending over a boiling vat.